All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Philemon, the book of Philemon, and we'll begin reading in verse number 22. The Bible says, But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father, I pray now that you'll speak to hearts. May the will of God be done. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want you to notice with me in verse number 22 that Paul, as he is speaking to Philemon here, he says, But with all prepare me also a lodging, for I trust through your prayers I shall be given unto you. And I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on taking care of the man of God. Taking care of the man of God. What's interesting about this uh, uh, closing, these closing remarks of the Apostle Paul as he is uh, closing this epistle here, uh, to Philemon is that the confidence that Paul has as he not only asked this request that he would uh, forgive and restore this uh, newly found brother Onesimus but also in verse number 22 that he would take care of the man of God as he said by with all prepare me also a lodging for I trust through your prayers I shall be given unto you so Paul had confidence uh, that Philemon would take care of the man of God you know when you think about Paul he was no freeloader. Free we know that Paul was a worker. He was a servant. He was a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. He refers to himself here as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was not afraid to roll up his sleeves and, and get busy and work. He was a worker for God and he was not afraid to take care of himself. But at the same time, uh, Paul was also not afraid. He had the confidence in Philemon that he could ask him to take care of him. You know, we're living in a time when it seems like that uh, a lot of churches don't take care of the man of God. Now, I want to say that uh, some churches can only do so much for the man of God because maybe finances are low and, and maybe the crowd is not what it ought to be. But I think every church ought to take care of their preacher. They ought to be good to the man of God. The man of God ought to know that that church is doing the best they can uh, to be a blessing to the man of God. So I want to preach on that subject, on taking care of the man of God. Amen. Taking care of the man of God. Now let me say on the outset of this message that as men of God, uh, we are to appreciate what the church does for us, but we are to never expect uh, the church to do things for us. We are to trust the Lord and we're to have our confidence in God and not in man. And we are to be reminded that every time the church gives us that uh, weekly check or monthly check, whatever uh, that salary is, or if you are supported by churches as an evangelist or as a missionary, we ought to be reminded that it's God uh, that meets our need and it's God that uh, signs our paycheck, but God uses His people to do so. I think that's a good balance, amen, that we learn to trust the Lord and we learn to thank the people uh, for their sacrifice. But Paul was that man and he knew that uh, Philemon was a man that loved the church and loved the preacher and wanted to be a blessing to both. You know, I thank God for people in the church that have that type of mentality. Uh, they love the man of God and they love the church and they, they want to be uh, good to the church and see the church good, do good. 
good and they want to see uh, the man of God do good. And so we're preaching on that subject on taking care of the man of God. Now I want to say in this text here we find three ways uh, that Paul expresses of how Philemon and those that are involved here would take care of him. I want you to notice first of all they would take care of him by preparing for him. The Bible says but with all prepare me also a lodging. Paul had the confidence that he could ask for lodging and not be a burden to Philemon nor to the church. He was out suffering and he was out serving and Paul was outstanding for the gospel and doing what was right. But Paul knew that if he was given the opportunity to come here he knew that these people would take care of him as a man of God. He knew that Philemon had a desire uh, to be good and to prepare uh, for the man of God. And as I said before, we as men of God, we're to be accountable. Uh, we're to have accountability in our life. I don't think that a pastor uh, ought to have uh, full reins to spend money any way that he wants to or, or however he wants to. I think he ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if God lays something on his heart, he ought to be able to do that if it's within the realm of reason and it, and it uh, proves to be good leadership, then I think the church ought to get behind that. But I don't think the pastor ought to be able to spend money without accountability, uh, without some kind of a receipt or some kind of a, a, a checks and balance that uh, that keeps him honest and trustworthy. And any pastor worth their salt uh, would not want the responsibility of spending money freely without a paper trail behind him. Amen? And the day that we're living in, it could get a preacher in a lot of trouble. Amen? But having said that, a pastor ought to know, an evangelist, a missionary ought to know that the people of God want to help prepare and take care of him. I think that too many preachers have, have been put on leashes by churches and uh, they said that, well, <clears throat> this is all we're going to do. Doesn't mean that they can't do more. They've just made their mind up they're not going to do more. I want to stop and say if you got a good pastor, you ought to prepare for him. He prepares each week for you, studies and prays and labors in the Word of God and labor in prayer and comes and provides a meal, a spiritual meal every Sunday, that uh, Sunday night and Wednesday night that he has gotten from the table of God and he has sought God and labored and spent uh, spent hours at night preparing and early morning hours preparing and, and listen, it is a, uh, listen, if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about but uh, listen, it is a mental load, it is an emotional load and it's a physical load uh, to prepare and to preach the word of God on a weekly basis and so a uh, man of God God that really studies and labors, he is worthy to be taken care of uh, by the people of God. Now, we got a lot of preachers today that, uh, listen, they get their sermons off the internet. And I'm not against somebody using an outline. If, if God is uh, uh, given a sermon outline that's a blessing or a help, or maybe you read something in a book and it was a blessing and, and God lets you uh, use it as a seed thought to, uh, to build a thought in your heart and you, you labored and build a message that God gave you and you preached it with a burden... And I'm not against using resources and tools. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think there's something wrong when we've got a generation of preachers today that are so lazy that they don't read their Bible, they don't study, uh, they don't try to get something fresh off the altar of God and something that's on their heart and something that is birthed in their heart, but they just run to a website somewhere and download a sermon and they got some outline with information that they just read over it and they're just shelling out information. They're not really giving you something that God gave 
gave them, and they're not spending the time to labor in the Word, and I don't think they're worth a dime. Amen? And you've heard the old saying that preachers are a dime a dozen, but real men of God that'll labor and pray and study and, and let the Word of God get in their soul and, and get a burden and come and preach, they're, they're, they ought to be taken care of. Uh, the church ought to stand behind them, and if you'll be good to the man of God, God will be good to you. Amen? And so Paul realized that this was a church, and this or this was a, a Christian and a church, the church of Colossus, that would meet the need that was in his life. You ought to take care of your pastor. You ought to meet the needs that's in his life. If you see a need, you ought to meet that need. And just as Paul could ask, and it was a reasonable request. Paul wasn't asking for, uh, you know, he wasn't asking for a, a $65,000 bass bow. And Paul wasn't asking, you know, uh, listen, he wasn't asking for uh, something beyond the realm of reason. He wasn't asking, you know, uh, listen, for uh, a brand new shotgun. He wasn't asking for something that he did not need. He was needing a place to stay. He was needing a lodging. And I think a church ought to take care of the needs. And you ought to go beyond that. I mean, a preacher shouldn't have to live... Uh, uh, listen, from paycheck to paycheck, wondering how he's going to make it. Uh, listen, and if he, if the church has got money, then you ought to be good to your pastor. You ought to be good to your man, your man of God, and God will bless you for that. Don't keep him on a, <coughs> listen, on beans and taters all the time. I mean, listen, make sure he's got clothes, and make sure that his wife is taken care of, and make sure his children are well taken care of, and make sure he drives a nice automobile and lives in a, in a nice home. He don't have to live in a mansion, but he ought to live in a nice home, and he and he ought to have all of his financial needs taken care of. A pastor has enough to worry about as he worries about the flock and as he worries about souls and as he worries about laboring in the Word of God that he ought not have to worry about how he's going to pay his bills from week to week. Now I think as men of God, we're, we're going to struggle from time to time like other people do. Things pop up in our life just like it does in our members' life and we have to struggle through everything uh, or through, through things just like they do and that teaches us faith and uh, there's times that I'm sure I could ask my church for something and I'm sure they would meet that need but then there's times where I just feel like that ought to just struggle like other people and you know what? God always takes care like that but I think there's a balance in that but what I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of good preachers out there that <clears throat> they labor and they study and their church is so stingy and so tight that they won't take care of them. They won't provide for them. They, and listen, they, they won't uh, meet the needs that's in their life. I think the children of that man of God ought to see the church be good to them. It'll do well. You have to remember that pastor's given up the opportunity to work full time. And there are men that pastor and they, they work. They're bivocational, but they're still full time because they do everything that another pastor does. But, but, but they, they have to work a job. And that's the will of God for some and, and it's the will of God for others. But I think a church ought to do everything they can to prepare uh, for their pastor, to take care of their man of God. And that is what is taking place here. Paul realized that he was talking to a, a brother and he was talking to a church that wanted to be good to, to the man of God. And not only just the pastor, but I think God will bless the church. There's no doubt about that. He will bless the church that will be good to missionaries and will be good to evangelists. 
and will support them financially, monthly, and, and when their needs arise. And I think as evangelists and missionaries that uh, you ought not hint. And I think there's nothing wrong with it, uh, putting out a prayer letter. And, and, and if, you, if the pastor calls you to get up and give a presentation and, and you've got a financial need, there's nothing wrong with getting up and, and expressing that financial need. But there is something wrong if you go to a church and you find out who's got the money in the church and, and you become good friends with them and you try to butter them up and, and you try to just express little drop little hints along the way. There's no faith in that. You're not trusting God. You ought to tell the church if there's a if you get the opportunity to present the need. Put the prayer letter out. And I like to read about a missionary's needs so that we know how to, to help them. And so I'm thankful that they do put them in prayer letters. And But I think you ought to be careful with that and make sure that, that it's done in the right way and that it's done ethically and that it's done in a way that does not hurt your testimony. Uh, that you ought to have a testimony as one that trusts God and prays, not one that's all the time hinting uh, to other people about needs and things in your life. And so when we uh, see here, uh, how you, uh, we see you're talking about taking care of the man of God. Now the missionary evangelist, the pastor, ought to be careful in that area. But at the same time, the church ought to, to look closely and when you see the need, meet the need in their life. When you see the evangelist struggling, be a blessing to the evangelist. When you see the, uh, the, the missionary struggling, be a, be a blessing to that missionary. And I promise you, I'll say this to, to any church or any preacher or to, to anyone that may be watching and listening, that listen, it, it doesn't matter if a missionary comes to your church and you give them $10,000. That's why I preach that's a big offering. And it is, but I promise you this, in the end, it's all going to balance out. I mean, listen, doesn't matter how much money you give them, it's never enough. You say, well, preacher, that's a lot of money. But when you think about it, they have their own responsibility for insurance. They have to take care of their own, uh, their own uh, uh, needs as far as if their vehicle breaks down or if one of their children gets sick or, or they have to somehow through all of this ministry, they have to try to prepare uh, for their financial future when they get older and they have to pre pre prepare for some kind of retirement. I mean, listen, there's nobody there putting up a 401k for a missionary or for an evangelist. And so what I'm saying is if the church gives them $10,000 or $20,000, listen, it's all going to be spent in the end. They may go to a church for the next two or three weeks and not get any offering. They may not get hardly anything. Listen, a lot of evangelists and missionaries, they may get a $2,000 offering in this church because this church cares and loves missionaries and evangelists and they want to be a blessing, but they may go the next three places and only get $100 or $50 and they still got fuel expense. They, they still got food expense. They got motel expense. They have monthly bills, plus they have double the expense on the road. You think about what it costs to stay in a motel, what it costs to eat out. You say, well, they ought not eat out. But when you travel from place to place, week to week, sometimes you don't have any choice. Most missionaries and evangelists I know, they would much rather eat at home as to have to eat out. But the expenses are great. I'm talking about preparing. I'm talking about being good, taking care of the man of God, whether it be a pastor whether it be an evangelist, whether it be a missionary. You know, I think when missionaries, when the husband dies and he served his whole, uh, he's been his whole life, spent his whole life serving God, him and his wife and his husband dies, the, the church ought to just keep on supporting her and be a blessing to her. If the ministry can't carry on, she stood faithfully by that man of God, that evangelist, that, that, that missionary. She's worthy of support until she checks out of here. Uh, a woman that has been faithful ought not have to struggle by herself in the last few years of her life because churches 
just has forgotten her because uh, her husband has left. Thank God for those women that have stood faithfully by their side. And so I'm talking about one of the things that Paul uh, knew that this church would do for him is he knew they would prepare for him. And you have to prepare for your man of God. Look at his life consistently and see does he have a need. See if there's something you can do to take care of him. Be a blessing, you know, to the Christian, to the church member. You know, I, I would say if you see a need in your pastor's life, then, then don't wait on the church. If God's blessed you, be a blessing to them. Again, I'm not talking about, listen, no pastor worth his salt. My church is good to me. They, they're a blessing to me. And, uh, and listen, I'm not preaching this for financial gain. As men of God, we, we're not to be concerned with that. But I, I would stop and say this, that there has been times when nobody knew the need that was in my life. And, and some church member would come by and they would give me a piece of money. Uh, listen, sometimes it'd be a $100 bill. Sometimes it would be a, a $50 bill. Sometimes it'd be, a, it'd be $500. Sometimes it would be just $20. But I'll tell you what's amazing about that. It wasn't the amount of money that was amazing to me. What was amazing to me was that money was exactly what I needed for what I needed when I needed that. And that's how God works. Amen. No preacher, no missionary, no evangelist is, is going to get rich if they preach the gospel and they stand for the truth and they're true. They're not trying to, to, to gain riches in this life. That's not what we're about. But I'll tell you what will, will happen. God will use His people and God will use His church to prepare for you and to take care of you if you'll be faithful unto Him. So Paul, I'm talking about taking taking care of the man of God, number one, by preparing for him. Number two, by praying for him. Notice what Paul said in verse 22. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. You know, I say this all the time when I go in revival meetings to churches. Most of the time, somewhere in that meeting, I'll get up and encourage the church. I'll say, now listen, you ought to pay for your pastor. Take care of him. Support him. Make sure he's, he's got clothes. Make sure he's got shoes. Make sure he's got all these things in life that he needs. Don't let him struggle and worry financially how he's going to make it. Pay for your preacher. But then I say this, you ought to pray for your preacher. Amen. And I, I'll tell you this, anybody won't pay for their preacher, they probably won't pray for their preacher neither. Amen. I'm Listen, if you, if you, and you say, well, we can only do so much, do all you can. And God will help you do the rest. Just do what you can. And any pastor knows that. But you ought to pray for him. Yet Paul knew that these folks would not only prepare for him, but he knew that they would pray for him. He said, I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Paul valued the prayers of God's people. And true men of God, that's what they value the most. I don't value the money. We don't value the paycheck. But we do value the prayers. Amen. We know them prayers is what keeps us going. We know them prayers is what, what keeps us what keeps us faithful and what helps meet the financial needs as well as others. And you ought to pray for him systematically. That means you ought to pray every day for your pastor. You ought to pray for him specifically. There ought to be a list in your Bible or somewhere uh, in a notebook that you pray for your pastor. You pray for your pastor's wife and you pray for his children. You ought to pray for him sincerely. You ought to be asking God to do those things in his life and praying with all sincerity. And you ought to pray for your 
pastor that God would give him wisdom, that God would give him leadership, that God would give him direction, that the Lord would help him spiritually uh, to grow in the Word and that God would strengthen his spirit. You ought to pray that God would give him boldness and give him power, give him a touch, amen, that God would breathe on him, that God would bless him physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, that God would help help his body and his mind and, and that the Lord would, would take care of him and his family. I'm talking about there's many things you could be praying for your pastor. How much do you pray for your pastor? How much do you pray for your pastor's wife? Do you realize, a lot of church members don't realize this, but a lot of times whenever there's trouble in a church and someone turns against the man of God, do you know oftentimes who they go after? They don't go after that preacher, but they go after his wife. And the pastor's wife, oftentimes, she bears a great load. Things that she's behind the scenes. The pastor gets a lot of recognition because of that position. People will give, stand up and give tribute to the pastor. They'll say, we love our pastor. They'll say things like that. And thank God for people like that. They'll recognize the pastor. But a lot of times, not always in every church, but a lot of times the pastor's wife is overlooked. You go to a meeting and that preacher's preaching, that evangelist, he's noticed in that meeting. It's his face that's on a, on a poster and people welcome and say, we're good to have evangelist so-and-so. It's good to have him here. Oftentimes, the evangelist's wife is overlooked. When trouble comes in the church... That wife will oftentimes, she'll see her husband go through the heartache. She sees him, goes through the stress. She knows what he's, he's bearing that load and she has to stand by and pray for him and watch him go through that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching a pity party on preachers, but what I'm wanting to, uh, every member of every church is to see if you could live inside the walls uh, in the home of your pastor and walk in your pastor's wife's shoes and see when some lady gets upset in the church and she turns on the, the pastor's wife. Sometimes uh, you don't see those things because that pastor's wife is going to put a smile on her face and she's going to walk back in Sunday after Sunday and you're never going to know the heartache and the pain that she goes through most of the time. I've watched preacher's wives down through the years be in meetings with that pastor and without that wife ever saying anything, I could tell when she's wounded. I could tell when she's hurt. My wife, many times, would get in a car and she'd say to me, she said, boy, that preacher's wife, you can tell she don't trust people. You can tell she's... You say, preacher, why are they like that if you've never walked in their shoes? You say, but preacher, when you look around, we, we've got a great church and all these people love the pastor's wife. They love the pastor. Yeah, but you don't know the hell and the heartache that that preacher and preacher's wife has had to go through with that one or two or that three or that four. You don't know the history down through the years. You may walk in a good church and look around and boy, it's all peace and tranquility and everything going great, but I'm going to tell you what you don't see. You don't see the scars and you don't know the stories because any pastor and his wife is worth any salt. They're never going to bring up the past if, if God's gave the victory. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't see the wounds that have been there. A lot of people walk in a church and they'll see it thriving and, and blowing and going and they'll say, man, everything's wonderful and great. Yeah, but they don't realize it wasn't that way always. It hadn't been that way all them years. And it hadn't been that way even when you see a packed out choir and people singing and people smiling. Listen, you don't know what goes on through the week that the man of God, his wife, has to deal with the things that they have to go through. You say, preacher, why are you emphasizing all this? I'm telling you, you need to pray for your pastor. 
and pray for his wife. I'm telling you, if there's anybody in the church that needs prayed for daily, I, I don't agree with this, but I understand why preachers are quitting the ministry. I understand why their wives are getting bitter and quitting. I don't think it's right, and I know God gives grace to go on, and, and any preacher and his wife realizes that if they'll really stop and think about it, we don't have anything to go back to. But listen, there's a lot of men of God. They've quit and got out of the ministry and went and got a job and don't want to be a pastor, and the wife says, I never want to be a pastor's wife again. And sometimes people look at that and say, well, where's their faith or, or why are they so bitter? I'm telling you, if you had to walk 60 days in their shoes and deal with some of the mess that a lot of preachers and their wives are having to deal with in this day and time, you might be sympathetic. You might understand why they quit. You might understand why some evangelist wife never wants to come out of their camper and never wants to leave the motel room and go to church. You say, but we have a great church. Yeah, but you don't know the last 10 churches they've been a part of and what they've been subject to and the places they've had to stay and the things that they have had to live in and go through in the ministry. A lot of times people don't see all that. I'm talking about Paul knew that these people would prepare for him. Paul knew that these people would pray for him. You ought, to, you ought to prepare for your preacher and for missionaries, evangelists. When they come in, you ought to make a big deal. I understand missionaries may drop in, and missionaries understand that. Sometimes they drop in and... And the church can only do so much. Maybe they just had a missionary the week before and, and maybe they're limited. Maybe they don't have the funds. And, and missionaries understand that. But I'm telling you, when you book a missionary, you ought, to, you ought to have them in. You ought to make a big deal. You ought to be as good to them as you can. Be good to their children. Be good to their, uh, be good to their wives. Amen. And you say, well, I, we don't have a lot of money. But I'll tell you, uh, feed them. Uh, listen, fellowship with them. Sometimes I don't think people realize that uh, when missionaries and evangelists come through, it's not all about the money. Oh, they need the money, trust me. They need the money to keep doing what they're doing. But I think sometimes people forget that they're there. When they walk through the doors, they need more than just financial support. They need somebody to come up and put their arm around them and say, How are you doing, brother? They need some ladies to go to them and say, Sister, how's things going? And, and let them talk and say, Well, how's your family? And how's things, uh, how's things going in your life? And, 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 and express some concern and, and compassion. They need someone just to, uh, you know, come by and say, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Maybe uh, uh, be kind to their children and, and, and pay a little attention to their children. And, and I'm, talking about, I'm talking about praying for them, preparing for them. Paul knew that this church would pray for them. He knew this church would prepare for him. And then Paul also here, he knew that this church would take care of, this, of him as a man of God by personally working with him. Look what Paul does here in verse, says here in verse number 23. There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Well, when you think about this, I'm talking about taking care of the man of God. Taking care of the man of God uh, by preparing for him. Taking care of the man of God by praying for him. And then taking care of the man of God by personally working with him. Paul had a list of workers here. Paul had a list of men that had uh, got involved in the work of God. They were, they're called fellow laborers. One of them is called a fellow prisoner. That means that he had been with Paul through the hard times. He had been with Paul through the, through the dark times. And I'm going to tell you what a man of God needs. 
needs. He needs somebody that'll be with him through the hard times of life. He needs some folks that'll stick with him through the thick and the thin. He needs some folks that'll labor. Listen, if you're just a pew warmer, if you're just somebody that sits on a pew and you're always taken and you're never given, you're never getting involved, you need to get right with God tonight or right now when you're hearing this message and what you need to do is get involved, hold up the hands of the man of God, get involved and be a blessing to your pastor. Get in there and do something. Don't let your preacher do everything. Your preacher don't need to be the janitor in the church. His wife, uh, listen, she may get to be uh, work in the church and, and, and she may clean the church and church may do something for her. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think, but you ought to help her out. You ought, to, you ought to be involved. They ought to not do everything in the church and, and they, they ought to be somebody. And listen, they, they, they can coordinate the things in the church, but, but you ought to be there and say, well, well, preacher, let me help you uh, mow the yard. Let me, let, let, let me do the yard mowing and, and let me see to it that the, that the gate's unlocked and, and that people are at the door are unlocked and people's able to get in. Let me turn the lights off, preacher. You don't need to stay and, and, and be the last one to leave and the first one to get there. And let me do some things. I, I'm talking about, listen, you don't know what a blessing that would be to just personally get involved. When your pastor asks you to do something, what's your attitude? How do you respond when he when when you see your pastor coming? Do you do you shake your head and and make some kind of little slur, uh, snide statement because uh, he's going to ask you to do something because you're so backslid, you're you're so far out of the will of God that anytime your pastor needs you know you know what your pastor's trying to do. Here's what your pastor's trying to do. He's trying to manage a group of people to do the most serious business that there is on earth right now. The work of God. And he doesn't have a salary to give them people. He can't hire them and fire them. Believe me, it'd be a whole lot easier to run the work of God if you could just hire everybody. And if they didn't do it the way they're supposed to, just fire them and, and somebody else put an application in. That's not the way this thing works. Your pastor is trying to get the most important work on earth done with a group of volunteers. And he's trying to gather enough people to be willing to get involved so that we can advance the cause of Christ. You know how hard it is to get volunteers in this day and time? I mean, you think about it. If you don't know how hard it is, you start something on a volunteer basis and see how many people you can get involved in that. And when you get them involved, see how many will stay involved. And once you get them involved and they're staying involved, you see how many people will get involved, stay involved, and do it without trying to tell you how to do it better. That's the day we live in. And people, it's hard to get commitment out of people. So when your pastor comes to you and says, I need somebody to, to, to mow the yard. I need somebody to, uh, to, 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 to sweep, the, uh, sweep the rug or vacuum the carpet. Or I need somebody to wash the sign. Don't grind, don't grumble. Uh, don't make an excuse. Amen. So I'm busy. Listen, I don't care what you've got to move out of the way. If your pastor needs you to do something, you ought to be willing. You ought to make a, a every effort possible. And when you do it, don't do it with a begrudging spirit. Don't do it with a bad attitude. Don't go in there and do it and say, well, i got to do this because nobody else will or, or preachers always asking for something no he's just trying to do something for the, the work of God and God will bless you God will give you rewards at the judgment seat of Christ if you'll do it and not have a bad spirit if you do it and you complain because your pastor asked you you can just mark it down it just went to ashes at the judgment seat but if you'll do it because I want to be a blessing and I want to personally get involved I want, if my pastor's got a vision then I want to get in there and do whatever that vision is. 
I want to, I, I want to pay, I want to uh, give my part. You may be listening and say, well, preacher, I do three or four things in the church and oh, so-and-so sitting over there and he's lazy and he don't do nothing. Well, don't get mad about that. He'll, he'll be sorry for it at the judgment seat. But what you ought to do is thank God that you got opportunities to work. You know, I've watched this down through the years as I, as I pastored the church. I've watched people that, I've watched God bless their health and it's amazing and how some people's health just, it just uh, the strength. I'm talking about people up in years. And yet they, they're still active and they're still going. And, 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 the, and I've, I've watched God bless people who are active in the church. Now, I understand somebody could get cancer and, and be young and, and be working in the church and pass away. But what I'm saying is there's a principle here. That if you're working and you're busy and you're filling a place in the, in the church and you're, you're helping your pastor, that may be why you're breathing. That may be why you're not in a nursing home. That may be why you still can get out and push a mower or go, go out on a creek bank somewhere and, and walk along a creek bank and, and fish or, or go out in the woods and still go up a tree stand. It might be because you're doing a work for God and God, your blessing may not be and your reward may not be a paycheck on Friday because you mowed the churchyard. It may not be a paycheck because you, 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 you mopped the floor. It may be your paycheck may be every day that God has given you strength. He's given you health because you personally have got involved in the work of God with the man of God. Paul is thanking these men for being fellow laborers and he's thanking Philemon and he says to him, he said, salute these men. I want to tell you something. As a pastor, I do. I salute every man and every woman and every teenager that gets involved in the work of God. You know what thrills me sometimes at church? We'll have a dinner at church, and I'll look around, and I'll see people jumping in, and I'll see people, they'll be, and there's some that physically can't do that, and I understand that. They just phys- they, they've done all they can do, and physically they can't. But I'll see people putting up chairs and people wiping down tables and, and people will be vacuuming the floor. And I'm going to tell you something, as a pastor... It makes me thank God for my church. It makes me just, those ladies that prepare those dishes and, uh, so that we can sit around and have a homecoming. And they got up early that morning uh, before church and prepared a, a dish or two and they brought it to church. And, and uh, we were able to have uh, food and fellowship over the fellowship hall <clears throat> that night when we have church. If, uh, to the best of my memory, I always try to get up and say thank you ladies for your labor and work. I mean, I appreciate that as a man of God. Uh, listen, that meal's not taken lightly, not just by me, but the entire church appreciates that. Why? Because they're giving and they're, they're, they're getting involved. And we couldn't have, could you imagine homecoming if us men had to cook? I mean, could you imagine that? But God gives women that knows how to cook and knows how to prepare, and everybody has a part. You may be listening and say, and watching and say, well, well, I, I don't do anything in the church. You ought to do something. You ought to go to your pastor and say, what can I do? And when he gives you something, don't say, well, that's not the job I wanted. I'm going to tell you something. You'll have the job God wants you to have. Well, that's no big title. There, nobody's going to recognize that. It's not about that. It's about getting involved in the work of God. And I promise you this. There may be a lot of people who don't even recognize what you do. But your pastor sees it. More importantly, the Lord sees it. But your pastor sees it. I've walked in our church many times and I've thought about when I've walked in and smelled the foyer of the church and it would smell good. I thought about the people that cleans the foyer. Walk in the bathroom and the bathroom be clean, the mirror be wiped down and the countertop and I'd look and I could tell somebody just been through and cleaned it and I thought about the people that cleaned that. 
the floor would be vacuumed in the church and I thought about the yard would look nice drive by the church and see how the, the yard looks nice and I thought about the people that had just probably come through the day before that day and they mowed the yard. People that's personally involved. Paul listed names here. He knew the people that was involved and in these verses he knew their names. He knew their nature. He talked about Epaphras being a fellow prisoner. He talked about the rest of them being fellow laborers and he, he knew their necessities, their need that Paul as he called them fellow laborers. Paul said I need these people. They're very important in the work of God. We need them. I'm talking about taking care of the man of God. How do you do that? Prepare for him. Be a financial blessing to your pastor. Be a blessing to him. Don't gripe when they want to give him a raise. Amen. If you got a raise, he ought to get a raise. If you drive a nice car, he should drive a nice car. If, you, if your family, listen, gets a vacation, he ought to get a vacation. I mean, there's no difference. Listen, he, he's give up far more. Listen, if, if the church gets rid of him tomorrow, everybody else in that church goes back and gets a paycheck, but your pastor wonders how he's going to pay his bills if, if he leaves the church. And I will stop and say this. Anybody that would, would dismiss their pastor or any pastor that would leave a church and the church wouldn't do something for that man of God, then woe unto that church. If your pastor resigns, then you ought to make sure, you ought to make sure he gets something to help him the next 30, 60 days. Don't put it, don't give him a slap on the back and say, well, God bless you. I'm telling you, listen, y'all, listen, most people draw unemployment, or they're gonna, all them people's gonna go back to work the next week and, and they're gonna punch a clock and get a, a paycheck and they're gonna have a pension. What about that man of God? It's labored for those, uh, those 10 years or those 20 years or however long you may have been there. I'm talking about, listen, uh, you, you can prepare for him. That's how you can take care of the man of God. You can pray for him. That's how you can take care of the man of God. And then you can personally work with him. You know, any pastor worth his salt, he would rather have your hands than to have your billfold. What I mean by that is he would rather have people working alongside him as somebody just walking up and giving him money. I, I thank God for people that will be a blessing that way financially. But I'll tell you what we need is not a bunch of rich people in the church. And thank God for rich people in the church. But what we need is labors. Paul is emphasizing labors. And he said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, be with your spirit. Amen. What kind of spirit do you have toward the man of God? What kind of spirit do you have when it comes to giving him a raise and taking care of him, paying his taxes, paying his insurance. What kind of spirit do you have? You may not say nothing, but are you glad for him or do you get jealous or do you get angry or, or do you get upset about that? If they take a special offering up for his wife or for him, what's your spirit when it comes to preparing for him? What's your spirit when it comes to praying for him? When's the last time you really fell on your face, prayed for your man of God, his wife, his children, and asked God to bless him? What's your spirit when it comes to personally working with him, getting involved? When he gets up and says, this is my vision, this is my burden. Are you a doubter? Are you someone that has no faith? Are you a discourager? Or you say, well, bless God, if my pastor has the burden and if he believes God for it, I'm going to believe God with him. If that's his vision, that's my vision. If it's in the bounds of the Word of God, what's your spirit toward that? Father, I pray that you'll take this message. Lord, speak to hearts. Lord, my burden is so many times preaching revival meetings and seeing pastors and what they go through and their wives and their children. And Lord, I thank God for our church. We have a good church and I appreciate 
the hospitality and kindness that they have showed toward me and my family. I have no complaints there. But Lord, I feel for pastors and their wives and their children as I've watched them struggle. And sometimes I realize that churches are doing all they can do, and I understand that. But I pray for those that maybe, maybe someone's listening right now that's a member of a church. And uh, Lord, maybe they'll go back to their church Sunday and say, I'm going to be a blessing to my pastor. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to see that my church is a blessing to my pastor or to the pastor's wife. Maybe some lady right now would say, you know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a blessing. She's my pastor's wife and I'm going to be an encouragement to her and to her family. Lord, I pray that you'll use this message. Lord, speak to hearts and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.